Welcome to Into Security, Info Security Magazine's podcast. Hello and welcome to Into Security, the Info Security Magazine podcast. I'm Dan Raywood, contributing editor of Info Security Magazine. And Michael Hill here as well, acting editor. Delighted you could join us for this, which is our fifth episode of our podcast series. Uh, sponsored by Akamai, providers of intelligent threat protection that comes with over 300 security researchers. Learn more at Akamai, that's A-K-A-M-A-I dot com slash security. Akamai, intelligent security starts at the edge. So anyway, we're going to kick things off with a quick look back at some of the top news stories uh, during the rounds in the last week or so. Starting with some uh, news um, relating to Sky customers. Now, Sky actually sent out a, uh, a message to uh, a number of their customers urging them to reset their passwords. And this was a couple of days ago. Um, they actually wrote in the email that they sent to a selection of their customers saying, at Sky, we take the security of your data and information extremely seriously. To help keep your account safe, we have reset the password for your account. Now, at the time, there was very little more to go on. Obviously, it caused a bit of, uh, bit of stir on Twitter. Obviously, naturally, some people were questioning whether this was um, a legitimate message. Maybe some people were a bit worried about maybe it was a phishing attempt. Sky did confirm that it was, um, it was real. It was, um, they had sent the message and urged people to click through and reset their passwords. The uh, Sky then did provide an update a day or so later uh, with the following. Now, they, they, they came out and said they had been informed by the provider of Sky.com email accounts that a number of accounts had been accessed without permission through an attack called credential stuffing. Obviously, we've seen quite a lot about credential stuffing over the last few months. Um, this is where an intruder has obtained a list of usernames and passwords from one or more external source, sources. Um, Sky then said that they locked the accounts of everyone who has been affected. If your account has been locked, you'll need to call us on the number above and follow the steps provided to keep your account as safe as possible. Please ensure you regularly update your password and change any similar passwords you may use on other accounts. Uh, interesting one, that obviously I think when it initially happens, you know, people could be a bit unsure. When, when you know, when there's very little information around it, people could think, well, this is a scam and. Obviously, you know, it, it makes you wonder whether maybe companies need to provide a bit more information at the time. But obviously, I guess it's a good step taken by, by Sky to, you know, act quite proactively and, and th- send this out to try and, you know, as, as a, I guess, a more of a measure, a security measure to prevent any harm than anything else, really. Yeah, completely. It's better that, that they've actually been able to spot this, detect this and then take action than uh, sort of... You know, t- shrug the shoulders and kind of think, oh, that that's that problem uh, dealt with, or you know, that's something that hasn't really affected anyone. We won't worry about it. To actually go out and be proactive in security, yeah, they they, they did get some flack on um, on Twitter for doing this, and you know, maybe they could have been a little bit better in being a bit more open as to why they were doing it. But generally, it's I think it's quite a positive thing. And speaking of, of phishing attacks, we uh, reported on another one um, here on Info Security this week. This one affected Lancaster University here in the UK who claimed they were hit by a sophisticated phishing attack. Um, uh, Resulted actually in the breaches of student and applicant data, uh, including records for the 2019 and 2020 applicants. Uh, These include names, addresses, telephone numbers, and email addresses related to those applicants. Um, uh, Lancaster Dennis put a statement out. This actually came out towards the end of last week, around sort of Friday the uh, 19th, I think it was, yeah, Friday the 19th, um, saying they're aware that fraudulent invoices were being sent to some undergraduate applicants. And um, this, uh, this statement came out on Monday the 22nd. 
saying that they'd been advising, uh, identifying and advising students who had been affected. So um, actually was, what was quite impressive about this, again, two kind of good news stories to kick things off this week, um, is actually the, uh, the NCA, the National Crime Agency in the UK, actually arrested someone on Monday. They, they, what we got was a 25-year-old man under the Computer Misuse Act was arrested. Um, so it seems like a very fast turnaround and a very fast arrest. Um, we know all about situations where obviously the amount of cybercrime that goes unreported, that certainly goes unpunished. But I guess the actually the action here has actually been quite impressive. But the concern now is is going to be under the GDPR. Um, Info Security spoke to the ICO. They said the incident had been reported to them and it was currently assessing the information provided. Um, like obviously we saw the BA and the Marriott stories in I think in the last month since we did this the last podcast. 183 million, I don't know if it was pounds or dollars, I guess it would be pounds because it's a UK fine, and uh, 99 million to uh, to Marriott. You think more people will be concerned about that now? Mm. Yeah, I mean, obviously that was that turned a, a few heads, those uh, those well, proposed fines, we should say at the moment, obviously, mm. under investigation and be looked in, be interesting to see how, how those, those turn out. But yeah, like you say, another interesting... Um, element there around the fishing thing and you know he's not you know we've seen quite a lot of news stories recently about universities and colleges particularly in the states as well seems to be becoming a real target now for, for cyber attacks obviously they hold a lot of information hell of a lot of uh, data on you know a, a large number of uh, students and i guess maybe their cyber security is not not that great i would assume at the average university yeah. you know they're pretty limited in terms of the cyber security that they're using so yeah, it seems to be another another target for attackers to to well yeah set their set their sights on. Definitely. Um, also this week, Facebook um, announced its plans for a radical overhaul of its internal processes to foreground user privacy. This obviously comes in the wake of the fine that Facebook received from the FTC, um, five billion uh, US dollars. Now this is obviously regarding the uh, Cambridge Analytica um, issue. Uh, we all remember that. Uh, which led to um, personal data on some 50 million users and their friends being accessed by Cambridge Analytica. Lots of questions about how that data was used to try and influence the outcome of the Brexit referendum and the 2016 US presidential uh, election as well. Um, In a blog post on Wednesday, General Counsel Colin Stretch outlined the steps Facebook is taking to build a security and privacy by design culture on a different scale than anything we've done in the past with transparency and accountability front and centre. He said it introduces more stringent processes to identify privacy risks, more documentation of those risks and more sweeping measures to ensure that we meet these new requirements. Going forward, our approach to privacy controls will parallel our approach to financial controls with a rigorous design process and individual certifications intended to ensure sure that our controls are working and that we find and fix them when they are not. Privacy protections will be built into every product with any risk documented and resolved and more monitoring and reporting obligations placed on the firm. There will be detailed quarterly reports to verify compliance signed by Mark Zuckerberg himself and with executive accountability throughout. Uh, Interesting now that obviously yeah, Facebook have had this pretty, pretty hefty fine over in the States which they're looking to just pay I think and carry on as normal but obviously this shows that well they are going to be taking steps to up their privacy game I think it's probably been a long time coming but uh, I guess it's a good thing um, I guess a fine of that nature they had to they had to respond with, with something like this so it'd be interesting to see how that pans out for Facebook really I've always found Facebook become almost like they're retrofitting privacy to their sort of network really because 
I guess they were built out um, from the, the Harvard University uh, you know, social network and, and the Facebook and all that kind of stuff. And uh, <coughs> as it's been taken off by and taken up, you know, by the, the global population, it's they've had to sort of kind of retrofit re- privacy to it. So not not the the easiest way to deal with it with a five mm-hmm. billion fine, but I think that's been pointed out by a number of people. They'll yeah. probably make that money back. Actually, yeah, of course, yeah. And it does seem that well, this what they're putting in place. It, will be going beyond what's required under US law. It seems to chime a bit more with expectations that you'd find under kind of GDPR regulation. Um, but I think, you know, it could work in Facebook's favour in the long run, really, if they could effectively roll out this kind of single privacy regime across its entire global operations. It surely would be a good thing. Yeah. Just probably a shame that it's kind of all come around because of the Cambridge Analytica issue and the fine. Yeah. Well, sticking just one more story then, sticking with um, investigations and disclosure. Um, after a five-month investigation this week, Citrix revealed that cybercriminals did not access any customer data, but did steal what they called business documents or business docs, uh, as was in their statement which came out this week. This was uh, published by President and CEO David Henschel who confirmed that malicious actors accessed the company's internal network via what they call a password spraying attack. We're going to presume that's kind of like credential stuffing, whereby that someone is using a tool to use multiple passwords, probably got from a, a password dump or something like that, and they're using that to kind of obviously to access the, um, uh, the login process. Um, and it said that they ac- exploited weak passwords. Uh, CEO David Henshaw confirmed no Citrix product or cloud service had been impacted and uh, the actual, but I mean, the, the whole thing lasted about five months actually. It said that the um, attackers intermittently accessed um, between October 13th, 2018, and March 8th, 2019. And they principally stole business documents files from a company shared network drive that had been used to store current and historical business documents. So um, it, it's an interesting one because they didn't actually kind of come out saying that, you know, that this was, you know, has really disrupted the business too much. Uh, they, they may have accessed, accessed individual virtual drives and company accounts of a very limited number of compromised users. But with the investigation complete, he said, I am focusing, I'm focused on fostering a security culture at Citrix that prioritizes prevention and ensures we detect and respond effectively to any future incidents. Um, it's almost taking us back to the, the sky thing, really, saying, you know, we're fostering a security culture. We're trying to take security seriously. And, you know, it, it's good that, you know, I suppose in a way it's pretty positive. We've seen cases in the past like Adobe, RSA, where, you know, there's been major hits on the company. And then the fact I've been able to cite those two at least have been, you know, the people will remember those. Um, but for Citrix, though, it proves visibility is a major challenge. Uh, attackers were in and out for five months and they, they weren't picked up on. And, you know, maybe Citrix will, will do OK. I don't know. We're, we're not going to see the end of companies being hit, obviously. It's obviously a little bit more embarrassing, though, when it's a, uh, a technology company. Mm. Yeah, absolutely, Dan. And there, there we are. That kind of wraps up our uh, news highlights of the last week or so. Um, and now we're going to pause for a quick word from our sponsor, Akamai. This year, we've taken a month-by-month journey, diving deeper into the stories behind the stories of 2018. From that record-breaking February attack to threats like credential stuffing and ever-present phishing attempts. These all remain critical pieces to the security landscape we face as we look ahead to 2019. And looking ahead is exactly what we'll be doing, evolving with threats as threats evolve. Okay, some great words there from our sponsor Akamai. 
So now we're going to have a quick look at a couple of uh, more interesting, uh, bizarre stories, if you like, that, that kind of came came to light recently that maybe didn't make some of the um, some of the usual uh, security news headlines, but we thought they were certainly quite interesting and worth a look. Uh, one was involving the Met Police, who, and this was picked up by various media outlets, uh, BBC and others. Um, now they actually suffered a, a hack um, which resulted in uh, a, a series of bizarre tweets and emails being posted. Um, so the Met Police website was hit by uh, hackers who, who posted a series of messages um, actually sent from the force's verified account, which has more than a million followers apparently. Um, a stream of unusual emails were also sent from the force's press um, bureau as well. Um, Scotland Yard confirmed its website had been subject to unauthorised access. Um, it looks like D uh, Trump uh, had a few words to say about it. He uh, had a bit of a dig at um, Sadiq Khan, obviously London Mayor, in a tweet quoting uh, commentator Katie Hopkins. Um, and she'd apparently said they have lost control of London streets and apparently they've lost control of their Twitter account too. Uh, Mr. Trump added, with the incompetent mayor of London, you will never have safe streets. Um, uh, so he said that the, the uh, Met Police said it, it, it used an online provider called Maya News Desk to issue news releases and said unauthorised messages appeared on its website, Twitter account and in email sent to subscribers. The tweets have obviously been deleted now, but they are believed to contain offensive language and mention the names of several people. Um, apparently the posts also linked to press releases about, um, about a, a rapper and an apparent missing child. Um, Home Affairs uh, producer Daniel DeSimon tweeted that the hack was a serious issue and added the press and public relies on comms from the Met during uh, emergencies such as terror attacks. A Met spokesperson said the force was working to establish exactly what had happened. Um, it looks like they've begun making changes to um, access arrangements to my news desk. Uh, at the time, uh, they said they were confident the only security issue relates to their access to the, to the my news desk accounts so are very much linked to their kind of news desk platform, I guess. But yeah, interesting that even again, you know, a company like the Met Police can be you know targeted in in this way. And again, you know, social media platform is you know such an accessible platform to hackers. It seems. Yeah, obviously, and uh, you know, it goes to prove if you connect something to your. We talked a bit about third party security and things like that recently. If you connect something to the social media platform, as I'm going to presume the uh, the Met Police did here. Uh, and that was what was impacted. Obviously, it's used, and a lot of people use third-party services to manage uh, social media for them. That gets impacted, and as I'm going to guess, that's what happened here with the Met Police. So, uh, not a particularly good good thing for them. And like I say, not particularly great. They got picked up on by uh, President Trump either. So, uh, yeah, all good. But I mean, um, another thing we we picked up, um, which actually uh, it did actually close at the very start of this of July, but. Um, been widely reported and it was something that went around Twitter quite a, a month or so ago where someone was opening a Kickstarter uh, trying to create the unhackable computer. Uh, this is a patented hardware design of a computer line that does not let in any virus or malware. Uh, this was created by a guy called Pritim Nath who is CEO of a company called MicrosafeX and um, the, well, the Kickstarter page is still very much uh, alive 
in terms of you can still visit it. However, it has been cancelled after it raised only £301 of a £698,958 goal. So I'm not going to do the fractions on that, but the percentages on that. Um, it did get backed by 36 people. Um, so 36 people, 301. So I'm going to guess it's a lot of interested security researchers putting sort of nominal amounts of £10 in each. Uh, there's quite a lot of information here about Pretty Nath and his ambitions in doing this but he said his idea was because he's repeatedly a victim of hackers and uh, he wanted to try and create something that was actually with his in, with his in-depth knowledge of software and hardware the solution came to me in my dream and uh, hardware designer PC where the computer processing is done in one hardware compartment and the internet processing in another both completely separate from each other um, I mean, it all went through and you know he got this up but obviously it didn't really take off very well and in a, a Twitter statement I just found via uh, Mike Bailey 97 this was posted on July the 8th um, the, the statement actually reads quite interestingly but said we'll build the prototype we'll test it first and invite any computer ex industry experts to test it publish our IP address have control contests to hack our computer we'll publish the results of the contest uh, nobody's able it, when nobody is able to hack our computer then and only then we'll launch the computer for sale so that's why um, it did it but it did say we cancelled the project on Kickstarter we couldn't offer discounts and we could offer information charge uh, t-shirts lots of things but uh, they tried to raise the money but it kind of fell apart maybe because of just a, maybe a little bit of a well no one a lot of people claim things are unhackable and 100% secure we know full well nothing really is but uh, yeah, maybe Mr. Um, Mr. Nath here has kind of got his own ideas, which maybe didn't, maybe a little ahead of his time, uh, trying to raise that amount of money to build a prototype, but uh, unfortunately it didn't really work out. But who knows, maybe we'll see him come around again. <laughs> okay, so that kind of wraps up uh, news and I guess uh, Slack space interesting stories. Um, so we've got a few minutes left now, so we'll quickly touch on some of the things that we're working on and keeping the Info Security Magazine team uh, uh, busy. Um, we are working quite hard on our Q3 print issue. Now, at the time of this podcast, we're, we're probably about three or four weeks away from publication, but certainly by mid-August that will be out. Got some really great features in, in there exploring... Um, the rise of the uh, of the gaming industry as a target for cybercrime. Uh, we're looking at the um, vulnerability disclosure uh, landscape. Um, also looking at uh, DNS as well and the evolution of fraud. Uh, so it's really great stories in there. It's really great content. So make sure you do keep an eye out for yeah Q three print magazine, which yeah should be landing on doorsteps around about mid August. Yeah, and also coming up in uh, first week of August, I'll be going off to Black Hat in Las Vegas because um, just when we've got over the heat here in the UK, I'm going back for even more. Um, going to be visiting uh, Black Hat for a couple of days and also taking in the Diana Initiative, which is the female-led conference, which takes place on the Friday. I'll be going just for the one day. I'm uh, looking forward to it, actually, because this year Black Hat's had a little bit of trouble because they appointed a keynote who was sort of, well, actually eventually then withdrawn for various reasons, maybe sort of mixing up security and politics where he wasn't the sort of the, the greatest idea, but um, they've replaced uh, him with a guy called Dino uh, Dizoni, I think his name is, who's a security researcher, not someone I've come across before, but we'll certainly be covering much of the show as we can, so keep an eye on Info Security magazine uh, during the week of the 5th of August when we'll be, uh, we'll be over there. Yeah, absolutely. And one last thing, obviously, our online summit is, well, coming up quite quickly. Um, 24th and 25th of September is the two-day event. 
Uh, you can register for that now on our website, so make sure you do join us for that. Again, it's you know two days full of um, live sessions, panel debates, one-on-one um, -on -one sessions, interviews, some really great topics that we're going to be exploring, some really great speakers on board already. So yeah, make sure you do register for that event on our website if you haven't already done so. Excellent. Yes, and that's what's coming up. So we'll be back with you in a few weeks for our episode six, I guess. And um, absolutely. Until then, thanks very much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Yeah. And a big thank you to Akamai for sponsoring this session. Again, Akamai providers of intelligent threat protection that comes with over three hundred security researchers. Learn more at akamai.com/security. Akamai intelligent security starts at the edge. So of course, big thank you to them. Big thank you for joining us. And yeah, we'll see you again soon. Welcome to Into Security, Info Security Magazine's podcast.